lawyer talk off the record on the air. Uh, man, in the middle of the quarantine, in the middle of of the shutdown, can't even feel my hands anymore. They're just so cracked and dry because you just keep scrubbing them. So here we are. You know, this is going to be the functional equivalent of the five eleven fireside chats. Fireside chats here at Lawyer Talk. We have uh, everybody asking all sorts of questions. Uh, even you know, we are too about what the heck is going on with this mess. What's the virus all about? And and it dawned on me that I don't even know what a virus is. I mean, I think I do, but yeah. I really didn't. So I called. I just um, realized it affects humans. I thought it was just on computers for. Yeah, I thought it was just videos, viral <laughs> videos. Uh, so I, I thought of the one person, Dr. Pulaski, who I could call and, uh, and ask him what the hell's a virus and why is this one so dangerous and what's really going on. And, uh, so that's what we did. And, and guess what? We got him right here on the phone. He, you know, for, to respect the rules of play, he didn't want to come into the studio. Not uh, doctor. You there? Yeah. All right. So. Yeah. Uh, you're not contaminated, obviously, but we're trying to socially distance ourselves. And everybody here at the table is at least six feet apart, I assure you. We're close. <laughs> I think we're about yeah. four, eight. It, well, the other thing, too, is, uh, you know, California is on lockdown. And yeah. I didn't want to be in a different state if, uh, you know, Kentucky or Ohio locks down. So uh, I think calling in is the safest route, not just biologically, but from a jurisdictional standpoint. <laughs> yeah. And that just happened last night. Do we know, is the governor saying you're locked down, stay home? Like, or could I drive to California right now? Will that they let I don't me in? Know. I wouldn't test I mean, that. obviously I wouldn't try. <laughs> I can't right. drive statewide Especially right now. Especially whenever they're but. anticipating over... Two million people that are going to get the virus here in the next like three days. Yeah, you, you know what I'm going to do, and I don't mean to make light of this situation because I know it sucks on everybody. But I think if you don't laugh, then then what? Well, you, you have you, to. If you lose that, you've lost everything. So yeah. I'm going to go get. When I was a kid, I had one of those long, sort of uh, I don't know what it was made of, uh, like fiberglass flagpoles that I could attach to my banana seat on the back of my bicycle. Yeah, and I'm going to go get the Jolly Roger. I'm going to get the pirate flag. And I'm going to attach that to my my Dodge Ram 1500 truck, and I'm going to drive state to state, flying the Jolly Roger. Perfect, dude. Stealing Perel, just Clorox. No, no, no. I'm going to I'm going to reverse pirate. I'm going to deliver the goods. Oh no, that's not how pirates do it at all. And I tell you, you're, you're totally confused on how pirates do their their work. Well, you can call they me. They don't they don't give anything it, away. Well, they, maybe they take. maybe it'd be more like Robin Hood. Okay. Well, you got to do yeah, a lot then of you put on some your truck. Put on, just put on some tights and start running around. <laughs> well, dude, I always wear tights. <laughs> well, speaking of tights, let's let the doc clue us in about what virus we're, we're is. We're wasting time. All right. So, I mean, let's start with the basics, uh, doc. Tell us what is a virus. And, you know, what is that's different than, like, everybody always says, well, you got a virus. You can't go get antibiotics for that. So, let's just sort of start at the basics. Right. So, um, a, a virus is just a. It's not really a, a living thing. It's a, uh, it's a, I guess you could call it an, an entity that uh, it just replicates. I mean, it, it primarily it's some type of nucleic acid, either DNA or RNA, um, that has uh, an envelope around it and then some type of a 
it's called a capsid, but it's like another layer. And that's really all it is. It, it requires uh, infection of, of actual cells, you know, of animals, plants, or back, even bacteria. Um, it, it, it has to insert itself inside a cell for it to replicate. And then it replicates and it sheds and it, 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 it spreads on. And that's really all a virus is. And the, and the reason why there isn't an, an antibiotics against viruses is as there is with bacteria, it's because, you know, bacteria have metabolisms, you know, they eat sugar or, um, if they're related to algae, they produce through photosynthesis and they're, their metabolisms are very distinct from humans. And um, so you can design or have drugs that target parts of their metabolism to stop it and kill them. But with viruses, there is no, there is no drug like that. The only thing that clears viruses is our immune systems. Well, I mean, something you said there, I, I got to just follow up because it actually surprised me. You said they're not alive. And, you know, we're talking about killing a virus, but they're not alive. And I, and I understand we're using probably terms of art in a very generic way, but uh, it's like, how is it not alive if it can, it, 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 you know, what is it? And I know you use some terms there, but is there, give help me out here. Well, some, some argue it technically is alive because it's uh you know it's a it's made of organic material it can reproduce um some have said it's on the very edge of life maybe the most simple form of life where it's just mm. it's a simple nucleic acid like i said either dna or rna that makes a few proteins that goes towards assembling new viruses and replicates the DNA and that's it. So it has no growth. It just sort of, it just, it, it just continues its own existence as is or, or replicates to continue its own existence. Right. You know, it doesn't really, uh, that, I mean, that's it. It, it, it doesn't, uh, produce or consume sugars or, uh, you know, burn energy. It, it uses the cellular machinery of whatever its host is to, to to replicate. That was my next question. So when you hear of host, I mean, in this situation, um, we're talking about the host being, well, with coronavirus or the, the COVID-19, it's human. We have become the hosts for, for this right. virus. What does it need us for? Well, it, it so what... There's a couple layers to that. So it it can't reproduce by itself. If it's if it's sitting out in the open, it'll either go dormant or just kind of become inert and, and and die off. It has to it has to be get itself inside of a cell and use the energy and the cells machinery. Uh, to replicate its DNA, make new envelopes and uh, capsids, and then, you know, multiply, and then it leaves the cell, leaves the organism, and goes on uh, to infect another one. And what determines how a virus, 
you know, what a virus attacks, it has to do with the proteins and surface structures on the virus that are specific for different organisms or different cells within an organism. That determines uh, what a virus infects hmm. is its surface characteristics. All right. So this one particular, well, when how does it make us sick then? I mean, what does it do in, in simple terms? Like it, it attacks, our, this one, I guess, likes the lungs and the respiratory system. Right. So um, the these protein structures, you know, they're a different, they're a, a certain shape so that maybe they like the the cells that are in the lung lining. Some things like rotavirus like attacking the lining of the digestive system, you know, in humans. So not only, not only which species does the virus have an affinity for, but what part of the, what part of the organism. And, um, so for the coronavirus, uh, it, it, it prefers to, you know, attach itself and inject itself into, uh, the linings, the, the cells that line the lungs and what makes us sick from it. It's not so much the, the viruses themselves. It's the immune, our immune systems trying to clear it out. Oh, so, and when, yeah, and that's what kills people. It's their, their immune systems go crazy trying to clear this out. And in the process, they they can cause damage to your tissue, uh, damage to the tissue so much that you die from it. And in the case of the COVID nineteen, you have such a pro, you know pronounced inflammation of the lung tissues, it becomes harder to breathe. You don't exchange oxygen and carbon dioxide efficiently, becomes more effort, and then you basically drown in your own lung secretions. That's how people are dying. Oh, from this. All right. Well, let me go back. Let me let me lawyerize this because now I think I now I think I get it. You know, I took my dog of all things a, a, about a year and a half ago to the vet. Uh, he, he had I just figured he had allergies. You know, he was scratching and was getting sores from scratching and all this stuff. And the first thing they did is they gave me this drug that suppressed his immune system. And mm-hmm. it was sort of interesting to me that that's how you treated it. You it, it's like you would not just get rid of the allergy somehow you would get rid of the dog's reaction to the stuff and that was their immune system. Is that sort of what's going on here? Exactly. um, You know, that's pretty much the only way viruses are cleared out of of the body is through the immune system. And that's why there's variability. Like some people have, um, you know, for a lot of people who carry the coronavirus, they have minor symptoms. Other people, it it quickly accelerates to a life-threatening situation. So there is variability between person to person how they respond, hmm. you know, and that that hmm. and that's the case for any virus. Um, anytime there's an outbreak, there's always a segment of the population for numerous reasons. Uh, it could be the genetic makeup. It could be genetic variability. And the immune response, um, that it's just kind of the luck of the draw. And then for others, it, it, it's so new to them 
and their immune systems just don't know how to handle it, and they just it, the, it goes overboard, and <clears throat> organs start shutting down. Well, let me ask a dumb question then. I mean, to oversimplify the problem, couldn't we just do the functional equivalent of an allergy medication here and just suppress people's immune system, what the virus does, what do it to do, uh, and then not have those symptoms? Or does then the virus itself take over and kill you? That's that's right. You, the virus needs to be cleared because um, if the if the replication becomes severe enough, yeah, it will start interfering with with functions. It's really wild how it impacts people differently. Like I hear in the news, the big scare is if somebody has some pre, you know, some condition already like leukemia or they've done chemotherapy and they have some compromised immune system that would make them more susceptible to getting the virus. And then, you know, because of the pre, the conditions already exist, maybe be fatal, which is weird because now, you know, as a doctor's explaining it, it really depends person to person because sometimes, you know, suppressing somebody's immune system might be a good thing. And it's, it seems like in the media, I've heard the exact opposite. If you have some compromised immune system, those are the ones that are like quarantining, like don't come, don't even leave your house. Yeah. And, and, some, and some of that too, the people with compromised immune systems usually are sicker overall. And so their ability to take on something new is, is, is diminished. So again, that's like a multifaceted level of yeah. problem, right? It, yeah. It's really, really complicated. Is it, now going back to some basics here, if like I, I once learned that when I, and I think this is what you've said, but I'm just going to try to oversimplify it because I'm pretty simple. Um, if I, if I got a common cold, um, mm-hmm. I, I was once told that's your body basically uh, plugging up your nose, plugging up your respiratory system. It, it's like going into protection mode. So it, it, it doesn't let things in. And that's why we can't breathe. Or that's why you have nasal congestion. And that's uh, essentially what's happening. Is that is that accurate? And is that why is that sort of why this virus is causing people to have all these lung problems? Because their own body is, is going into ultra protection mode. And as I understand it, there's two problems. One, that protection mode itself is what makes it difficult to breathe and exchange oxygen, et cetera. And then two, if you got rid of that protection mode, like Jeff is talking about, uh, then the virus just do what it do. And it eventually just takes over. It's like, I remember one time I had a virus on my server here at the office and I was just literally watching it wipe out files. And I I sort of giggled at it for a second. I realized I better unplug it. (laughs) It's like, and this is going back 15 years. Um, and then we eventually unplugged it and, you know, by then we had lost quite a bit, but <laughs> we were just like, Oh, look at that. Oh, oh maybe we can't get these back. <laughs> you know, but, but the point is like, if I would have then used a, say in a software application, I'm making this up, but a software application to go ahead and attack what it was doing while it was living, then that probably would have used enough of the power of my server and its Ram and its, uh, processing and all the other stuff that makes my computer work. So it couldn't have done anything else because it was all dedicated to that. Is that a good analogy? Um, yeah, there's a, the like making a physical barrier, like congestion and all that. I, you know, I, that is, it's more the, uh, just the response to the tissues being inflamed. Gotcha. Than anything. And the other thing, too, is, and you see this a lot with uh, influenza, um, 
and when it hits the lungs, you get these secondary infections. So what happens is, uh, you know, the virus is there. It, it irritates the lining, the the normal barrier in the airway, right? Now you got these cells that have been fried a little bit from the um, immune response. So it's a little weaker. And what will happen is a bacterial infection then will 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 start because the the tissue's been compromised by the presence of the virus and the immune response against it. So in some ways, the the viral response sets things up for a secondary infection by bacteria, and and, and some yeah and and a good chunk of the mortality is, is from that as well. The opportunistic infections that come after the virus, the yeah. virus sort of clears the clears the way for bacteria to come in. Gotcha, and then things start to stack up pretty quickly, I imagine. Yeah. Particularly if you're already sick. I guess that's if you're already sick and you already are susceptible to problems, then I imagine that's almost impossible. Yeah, it can be, it can get nasty really fast. All right. Well, let's shift gears here a little bit. Um, you know, you and I talked briefly on the phone a, a, a day or so ago, and you offered an, you told me sort of why and how these things got started. I mean, as I understand it, this is an animal virus. I mean, how does that ever end up in a human and why do they? Why do they all seem to come from the same area, and and what causes the whole thing? Yeah, well, you know, and a lot of epidemiologists believe that, um, you know, China is ripe for um, creating these types of pandemics for a variety of reasons. One is they're densely populated. Uh, two, they're in a temperate zone, you know, so it, they have seasons where it gets cold and dry, which where a lot of these viruses like to live or, or replicate more efficiently. And the other problem is um, a lot of their livestock is there's a lot of different species under one roof um, in, in the United States. The. <clears throat> The really, and I'm talking about the large mechanized farming, industrial farming, where there's thousands and thousands of, you know, head of cattle or, or thousands and thousands of chickens. In the United States, they they keep them separate. In a lot of other countries, they keep them separate. And in China, they kind of cohabitate. So you can have like uh, a, a large farm with you know thousands of pigs and thousands of chickens and when you get all these species living, different species living close to each other and a virus happens to mutate and it can jump species, you know, now, you know, now you've created something new. And uh, when it jumps to humans, it's the first time, you know, humans are coming in contact with this type of virus. And that's, can what, that's what sets up a, an epidemic. And so China's, it has like the weather, the population density and the close proximity of animals. Um, and not just domesticated, but wild as well. I know there's a lot of talk about the, those open markets that they have, but it's, you know, that can be a, greed, a breeding ground for new smart viruses that know how to jump species. 
You know, it's interesting. All everything you just said, it, it, it you know, there's a, I'm reading some totally unrelated stuff these days on, on economics, causation and different things in the world, both in, in all sorts of areas. And, and one of the premises I've run into, and this is a mistake I think we all make uh, across the board is we presume off to, all too often a single cause for an outcome when rarely is that the case rarely do we have a, a can, can we point to just one single thing that caused a certain outcome and most things are there it's multifaceted in layers and layers and layers upon layers that all have their own causation and it's just sort of this exponential combination of factors that come into place uh, and then right. he sort of inverse it or reverses it and said but often it can be one thing that you take away and it all crumbles you know it's, it's like an interesting uh uh, logical nexus or uh, conundrum, but what you just said sort of punctuates that point. I mean, you've just said, all right, it's not just that they're Chinese. You know, I know the news is all over this. You can't call it the China virus or whatever. It, it's more about, all right, they've got farming practices. They have uh, all their animals together. They have the right climate uh, for right. this. For this, they have a marketing uh, system that is conducive. If you do have a virus, you have probably a Maybe I, I don't know for sure. I'm guessing maybe they have a uh, uh, more condensed population. Maybe they have so once it is there, it spreads faster. I mean, it, it just you know it's it's a bunch of things, and it, none of it is necessarily we're not we're not faulting anything. We're just pointing out causation. Right, and you know because you, you look at India, that's another country with a billion people, and you just don't see these viruses coming out and I think how they handle their livestock and it's a lot hotter and more humid in India than China, you know, China has very similar weather to United States and Europe. And, uh, you know, so there you go removing that one factor and out of a, out of a multifactorial process and, you know, stuff doesn't happen that way. Yeah, because is, that, is that why you hear things with with speaking of weather, like as the summer months come, this will the virus will not either. I mean, I know it's still present, but it will slow down. Slow down. Yeah. Yeah. There's a um, well. You definitely see that with the flu, the the influenza. They have yeah. this replicative uh, replicative uh, measure and the. The name of it eludes me right now, but it is a lot higher. The ease and efficiency of transmission is a lot higher when it, it's cold and dry out. And when it becomes hot and humid, uh, then that efficiency drops. And there's been mixed data or mixed uh, results on the coronavirus doing the same thing. Uh, some say it's not going to impact it, but some of the scientists in China, Singapore, and Thailand um, who are, you know, a little further along in their experience with it are, are seeing that the transmission rates may drop um, as as it gets warmer and more humid. But isn't there – I just heard this on the news, though, and, you know, I tend not to trust anything on the news. I just don't think they can give you the kind of – it's not to say that they're lying or, or misstating, but usually the delivery time has to be like 20 seconds, and then they're moving on to something else. So it's like there's all sorts of ways to misinterpret things. But they were saying that there are uh, – where the climate is reversed from us, like down under, for instance, 
it is still a, a problem there and spreading. I think they said Singapore, maybe. <coughs> Um, yeah, I mean Australia. Yeah, it, it's. I mean Tom Hanks got it when he was down there. Yeah. Mm. Um. But you know I, that's the other thing too, and that I'm sure we'll be moving in the response towards this. You know, I don't know how extensive the testing in Australia is, and you really, to me, the best. The country that did things the best was South Korea because they tested, you know, almost 300,000 people. And so they could get a handle on the true prevalence of the, um, of the virus. And a lot of other people have been just operating in the blind. And I, I, I think Australia falls in that too. So we don't know. I think Australia has like a couple hundred confirmed cases, but well, everybody's you know, worried about the coronavirus, but all the other stuff still exists. So, I mean, the normal yeah. flu strain, you know, just the common cold. And so, if you can't get a test, you know, you're sitting there saying, "Well, I get, I did have a fever for a day, or I did, I do have a, a cough. Am I is that a positive? Is right? that positive for me? I just heard a story on NPR this morning." Um, where a woman had, had had flown on a plane. She had, she felt really bad when she got home. She had a fever. Her husband had some similar symptoms like the next day. She's like, basically I just had, you know, couldn't get out of bed for three days. Called my doctor and I said, is this, this virus? They said, look, we don't have the ability to test it unless, you know, you're, you're really in a bad medical situation. If you think it's something you can just get over, just do it. And the only reason she knew she had it is because in Seattle they were doing some flu test. Um, so they were having people that had the flu come in or give some like a, like a control group type of thing yeah, yeah. that she saw online. Yeah. So she called them and said, I happen to be sick. Can I participate in your survey? And they found out she had coronavirus. Now, how do they do otherwise that? the doctor turned her away? I mean, it's not his fault. I mean, they don't have they, enough they don't tests have to available to them. Well, yeah, we got to, we got to deal with both those things. So yeah. first of all, how do, how does one test to see if you have a specific virus? I mean, how does that work? I mean, to me, I'm thinking like Star Trek with tricorders or something. You know, you just wave it around. Oh, he's got the virus. No, it goes through the nasal passage to the throat. You have to go all the way through the nose to the throat with the swab. Ooh. Is that what they do? On both nostrils. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> None of that do. sounds good to me. <laughs> and and all they're looking. So those same. So those structures on the surface of the virus that determine, you know, what cells it attacks. They're they're basically testing for that. That it's a the fancy term for it is a uh, an antigen. It, it it's something that can generate antibodies against it. Gotcha. And yeah, and you're just testing for that specificity. So you're looking for something that can generate antibodies against it. All right. So you're looking for what, what uh, the relic of the antibodies that would have already started attacking it, or are you looking for the thing itself? Uh, it could be either. I, I'm not, I don't know the specifics of this particular test. Well, what are you doing talking but, to us then, man? I mean, come on. <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, I just, but there is a way. Yeah. 
there is a way to actually test for this specific virus, and it has to do with looking for whatever uh, is is on its surface or something right. that uh, that your body or one's body has created that would be left on the surface as a. It almost what, seems what like you got to be wealthy or something because yeah, I, I mean, hear these. Go ahead, sorry, that, Chris. I'm just saying that's how you test for uh, like hepatitis B. You're you're looking for. Uh, antibodies against the hepatitis B virus, those antibody titers, they're called. Right. And that's why that makes sense. Um, all right. I mean, if so, we had all these tests, that would make it a whole lot easier. Well, I've heard also Everybody could pull up in a gas station and grab a test and go, whoops, I got coronavirus. I need to. Yeah. I mean, how does this happen? Home I mean, quarantine. if South Korea has all the tests now, I've heard that the tests are giving false positives as well. But if they have the testing mechanism, how come we don't? Uh, and uh, if you don't know, you don't know, but these are sort of rhetorical, if nothing else, like how come we don't, and then you hear all sorts of, uh, or you're seeing and hearing all sorts of, uh, finger pointing and blaming, et cetera, going on. Like, uh, do you have any insight into that one? If, if not specific here, then in other situations where we've tried to create tests, what have been yeah. the, what have been the problems? Well, I think what, what Korea did one is it's a little easier for Korea because they're a lot, or South Korea because they're a lot smaller. But um, you know, they work with private companies. They they worked with anyone who had the biotechnology to make to produce these tests quickly, and they engaged them, and then they employed the tests in a, in a country of sixty million. Uh, they were able to whip out like 250,000 tests. And what that, what that gave them was enough data to make, um, to act on. Because they knew exactly what the prevalence was. You get a better handle on the mortality. Because they were yeah. testing people if they were sick or not sick. Because they wanted to know the carrier status too. And the problem is, when you when you're only testing the people who are super sick you don't you don't know what the true carrier rate is yeah and so you can't calculate the true mortality rate and your mortality rates look terrifying cuz you're only testing the people who are really made sick but yeah well, i think a lot of i mean the estimates from the chinese scientists are like 80% of the people just have mild symptoms. Well, they're the ones passing it on to everyone. Yeah, yeah. It's and, interesting. And that's why, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, and that's why this thing has has expanded so fast. Like, like with Ebola, there is no question. <laughs> if you're bleeding out of your eyes yeah. and you have a hundred high fever, <laughs> you don't need a test for that. Yeah. And there aren't very many silent carriers of Ebola. I mean, when you get it. You know, you're on death's door, and uh, a big chunk of them are going to die. And so, it's that's actually an easier disease to contain than this thing, where you know, eighty percent of your transmissions are coming from asymptomatic people. Well, and then, you, then it just then it just turns into a numbers problem. It, and you know, I, I've heard this. I've heard a couple things, but and I'm going to follow up on them. But you know, it's it's an it's another interesting verification of the multifaceted layers of this problem. I think there's lots of folks who are quick to point the finger at each other here for not having tests. But you just said something that's interesting. I mean, first of all, uh, South Korea has like they employed a some a, a private 
just whoever could do it to get them as fast as they could. And then, exactly. and then, you know, it doesn't scale up. And this is one of those things that doesn't scale up necessarily, I suppose. So if I only needed, uh, if I had a hundred people to test and I had the ability to, I could probably create a hundred tests, uh, to meet that a hundred person demand. But if I had 60 million, I think is what you said, South Korea had, you can create a, a good percentage of tests, but then you, you you scale that up to our population. It's like you're, the same number of tests in Korea would have been like uh, shooting BBs at an elephant here. There's not enough here at all, right? Is that sort of the... Well, well, even worse was there was a point, I think, last week where China, um, South Korea had done their 250,000 tests and we have six times the population of South Korea. And at that point, we had only done um, like 15,000 tests. Yeah, either way, we're way behind then. Yeah, and, and we and both countries had their first diagnosed case on the same day in January. And what did we do wrong then? Of all those factors, I just rattled off uh, repeating what you said, of course, like, uh, all right, so they employed private agencies to build the test or, or create the test. They had a larger or smaller pop- population. It goes without saying that one of the problems with this one, as, a, as opposed to others, is that I think your, your term was silent carriers. In other words, people are walking around, spreading it around. They don't even know. Uh, right. and then, uh, we've got the population, but it's like, where did we go wrong in this? And what is in the United States, generally speaking, how does a test get created? And, and do we rely on places like South Korea to supply that stuff usually, or do we do our own and who does it in your experience? I just, a lot of articles, uh, are, are coming through that kind of explain how we got there. And again, it's a multi- <laughs> The multifaceted, uh, but basically, the existing healthcare bureaucracy is inherently slow. It's not designed to rapidly respond. Um, you know, there's these dogmatic uh, processes where he has to you know, test it and retest and check all the boxes and fill out all the paperwork. So you got that. You sort of have an inefficient, uh, in, inexpedience built into the system. The other thing is, um, well, you know, on. let me let me stop you there before you go to the next thing. So, inexpedience built into the system has it always been that way, or is this unique to something? Uh, or, you know, it's like I sort of sense what you're telling me is that. That's just how it is in the United States, not only with this virus testing, but it's all—it's sort of like we have certain protocols that we follow. There's red tape, there's bureaucracy, et cetera, that people have to get approvals. And uh, Yeah, to, to give you an idea, for a, for a new cancer drug to go from idea to treating patients usually takes 10 to 15 years. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So when you're on that, time scale with something that can spread as quickly as COVID-19 in a matter of months, you got problems. And a private company, private biotechs came to the CDC and said, Hey, we can make, you know, we can do this. And they kind of were like, nah, you know, we have our own way of doing things. So that was one problem. And the other problem is, and I'm not being political here, but, um, you know, 
Trump would get up there. You know, he doesn't want things rocking the boat to make him look bad. And I, he, they, he downplayed the, the threat. And, and that kind of gave others this, he, he kind of set the tone in the beginning, like, oh, this is a problem in China. We're okay. Um, you know, and we got sort of transition to, well, it's just a flu. It's just we a, have flu. a flu every year. The flu kills this many people every year. We shouldn't be surprised by this. But defending yeah. Trump, if I, if I, not even defending Trump, but it seems like everybody in the West did the same thing. Why does that happen? I mean, it could just be that everybody just doesn't, you know, we don't, we don't want the, the disruption, but it doesn't seem like anybody else in the West no. had took any different position. Well, I think because the, you know, the SARS outbreak and the MERS outbreak um, and the H1N1 or the swine flu, they never, I guess, panned out into what this is. And I think there was a little fault, uh, you know, maybe the thought was like, oh, this is just another, you know, virus from Asia. It's going to get people scared and then it'll peter out. But a lot of stuff in the past, it, it petered out because it was a, like addressed right away. Gotcha. You know, there was, a, yeah. there was a lot of work going behind the scenes to contain that. And that, you know, it just didn't happen this time around. Yeah. And, you know, some uh, geo global political analysts think we have gotten, everyone's gotten a little more isolationist. You know, mm. you got, um, you know, Philippines, India, Russia, China, everyone's a little more nationalistic. And they think that that was a contributing factor too. It's like, oh, that's, we're our own, that's their problem. That type of attitude as well. I mean, I'm getting really philosophical here, but that that's one of the thoughts is that there wasn't like this coordinated global effort as there has been maybe as recently as, you know, 10 years ago. Gotcha. Hmm. Yeah. So it's um, like protect your own type attitude yeah and and it had i mean europe's now the epicenter of the um of this outbreak yeah i saw the wall street journal put out uh an article basically saying wanted uh people that want to get the coronavirus so we can test you and see how it you know for for research purposes they're literally there's labs asking for people to come in and we'll give you the coronavirus well they just find people that have it I don't know. Maybe it's because of what the doctor's saying, because it seems like all these people that have it are the ones that we test or the ones that we are talking about and worrying about are the people that really have it bad versus the biggest problem is these people that are atypical that just walk around, have no symptoms, shaking hands, doing whatever, going about their daily business and just spreading it all over. Yeah. And that, that story, the NPR story I was telling you about her four friends got infected and she said the only thing I can think is we all went out to to dinner the night before I had no symptoms I didn't shake hands with them I didn't hug them when I left I just sat across the table from them and had a meal and eventually they all came down with the same thing Hmm. interesting yeah Yeah. and so she's like I didn't obviously if I was sick I wouldn't have gone but at that point I had no symptoms of anything well and that's why they're you know stay home 
stakeholder, I guess. I mean, they just don't have enough tests to figure it out. So I guess the response from a political position is, well, let's just keep everybody home so people stay safe. I guess the question after that is, what's the economic impact when it's all gone? Well, I know. I mean, before I want to talk about that too, but before we get there, let's talk about vaccine and, and what's the viability of this and, and timeline, et cetera. Yeah, the, the, it usually takes um, about a year, maybe most like mostly a year and a half to develop a vaccine. And with the vaccine, all, all you're doing is um, you're again you're taking those structures, those antigens, but without the replicating ability, the you know the nucleic acid, you know, Corona is a RNA virus that uses. RNA to replicate. So you basically have these dormant or uh, uh, inert viral particles that you inoculate in the body. The body develops immune response against it, and you have the your immune system has a memory. Like once it's encountered something it knows how to mobilize the antibodies to neutralize it the next time you're around. That's how immunization works. Vaccination works. Yep. And so you have that happen instead of, you know, getting the, the virus and being sick from it. And then if you survive it, you know, now you're immune. The vaccine eliminates all the suffering uh, to get that immunity. And I know in England, They've started a vaccine trial. Actually, that's the fastest it's ever done. And again, I think it's because, not because of, uh, it's a private, these private biotechs are, are, are pretty, um, pretty facile and adept at, at, at doing things very quickly. I mean, you, you got these biohackers who can do amazing molecular biology in their garages. You know, and in a time like this, you need to be fast. This isn't, uh, you know, we're not developing a, a new statin to lower cholesterol. These are, you know. Yeah, you know, the, the emergency situation here should take precedent over the normal standard procedure on uh, on uh, repeat and repeat testing. Right. And right, and and it's not necessarily bad that it takes ten years because if there's already something there and you're trying to improve it, you really got to make sure you're not causing more harm. But for an emer- an emergent crisis like this, I mean, you got to move fast. Now, do you think the United States has the uh, internal capacity to just say screw it, get the biotechs, and let them rock and roll, or do you think that's going to have to come from uh, overseas? Um, I think it. I think it'll happen um, overseas or in the United States. I, I think I think we're already working towards that anyway. It just everyone was so slow on the pickup, but I think yeah. you know if we follow what South Korea did, <clears throat> I think things will get uh, we'll get at least a handle on things. You know, because I'm in Kentucky right now, we have 47 positive cases, but we've only tested like 48, 400 people out of 4 million. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
you know, oh. it's so staggering. And, but again, to, to do what South Korea did to scale that up is not the same as to say, uh, or is it? I mean, I guess if you're going to produce 200,000 tests, it seems to me it would take more to produce or to quadruple that, uh, more of everything, more time, more resources, more, uh, money. I mean, money at this point, people right. seem not to care, but, um, right. you know, it's still there and that'll transition nicely to the economic discussion, yeah, but it can, it, it's like, huh. you can't just, just because I never thought about the, the notion that Korea just had fewer people and less bureaucracy and, and maybe closer to the problem in both geographically and, and ideologically, right? I mean, they sort of saw it. Maybe they had a better gauge on what was really going on with this mess. Yeah, I think the proximity made them a little more urgent yeah. um, as well. I mean, it's easy as the United States. We can just say, hey, we're we're across the pond. We don't – and, you know, you – with all these other viruses, you've said, you know, we seem to have weathered through them just fine. You know, you hear about it. Oh, you got the pig flu or you got this, you know, you got the, you know, what was the cow, all that stuff or mad cow. I remember was going all that stuff. And it just seems to come and go and, and impacts very few. And a lot of people are sort of eye rolling at this one too. Yeah. I think that, I think that was part of it. And, uh, you know, you hear a lot of rumors and conspiracy theories that, you know, this was designed in the lab. I can tell you one thing. Humans could not design a virus this efficient. Wow. <laughs> aliens? Wow. That's pretty yeah. remarkable. That's a pretty 5G? remarkable statement. Aliens. Yeah, because humans would make something super lethal that would almost look more like Ebola. I mean, this is this is like a viral ninja. Man. I mean, it it just sneaks up on everyone. Hmm. And then after, you know, it's, that's, I think that's the scary part of this virus is that it's the majority of the spread is asymptomatic. And when it spreads that quickly, you know, like what, two, 2% of a hundred million is, is uh, 2 million. Yeah. So when you, when you suddenly have 2 million very sick people, that that's more terrifying than, you know, something like Ebola where, yeah, like a couple thousand people got it and they all died a, a grisly death, but it happened so quick. You know, the, the disease was so virulent that it, it was almost contained itself, but this, this thing's a ninja. And I don't think, I don't think humans would, be that good at designing a, a weaponized virus like this. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that's interesting, though, because the other side of the coin and what makes the conspiracy theory so enticing is that if you were if you were an evil genius and you could you could figure out a way to cause the most damage to uh, the human population, it, you know, killing everybody at once would be one thing. But if you didn't want to kill everybody, but you wanted to do something else or had some other plans. It's like you can, this was, it, it hurts just enough that it doesn't kill everybody, but it basically shuts down all normal human life and, yeah. and makes you vulnerable to everything else. Right. So now our markets are toasted. Now our businesses are out of business. Now our, you know, there's panic amongst the masses and there's uh basic just chaos. And it, it, it was, it's like, it didn't kill you, but it, it almost is worse in a way. Yeah, I, I mean, I think a lot more people are going to be harmed in different ways, not from the virus. 
Yep. Yep. And that, that's the other really scary part of this virus. Well, I know. And, and, you know, and that's a transition, Jeff, you were getting there. It's like, it, I know you're not an yeah. economist here, but uh, it, it is a, the, the devastating impact this has had on everybody, businesses up and down, uh, the markets, uh, the, you know, I, this is nothing that anybody has ever seen. I mean, people talk about World War II or whatever, but man, it, you know, that seems different. And I, I didn't live through it, but it just seems like it wasn't this. Um you know, there was a cause. There was, uh, I don't know. I mean, this, this, this is, I, there's no commerce even at the smallest level. Yeah. And, and that's, that's tough. You know, there's just billions of people. I mean, the government can backstop it for so long. And then at some juncture, there's going to have to be an end, you know, or people will just say, screw it. I got to go do something. You know, I can't. And then, then you have anarchy. Exactly. And, that's, you know, I think that's, I've been more worried about that than the virus itself is the breakdown of uh, social order. And I don't know. It, 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 I just don't know how it's going to pan out. And if you talk to people who live through the Great Depression, they say this has a lot of the same feeling. Yeah. Just a complete. Yeah. Uh, upturn of existence. You know, it's just, that's it. You know, it, it just, everything that you knew yesterday is not there today. So in this fight against this invisible enemy, do, uh, I mean, there's a lot of talk, the politics are coming out, you know, they're going to bail out, they're going to, they're going to bail out companies, they're going to give uh, loans, they're going to, they're going to give, you know, every, you know, taxpayers a check. I believe that they should, if they're going to give taxpayers a check, shouldn't we just shut it down for two weeks? Just shut it down. Do you think that that would help if everybody stayed in? That way you got 14 days. Those that weren't sick will get sick. If you get sick on the last day of that 14 days, well, you do another 14 days in the hole. Do you think that that would have any effect on the way the outcome would be if we shut everything down for 14 days? You're saying everybody gets like 1500 bucks. Yep. 14 days. Everybody shuts down everything. Everything. Except for what? Like well, supermarket? Yeah. You know, you're going to have to have deliveries out there. You're going to have to have medicine. You're going to have to have, you know, mean availability there. So we keep supermarket. We keep Taco Bell 14 days. Yep. Money. You got any opinions on that, Doc? Um, That's, I think that's the other, and that's where the, we just, you don't have enough data. I think that's the scary part. And the other thing too is, you know, um, South Korea is a very homogenous country, like 98% of the population is Korean. So all of that genetic um, similarity helps you predict how your people are going to respond to the virus. The United States is a mixed bag. And we... We just, we don't know the data. So you, we don't know how long this is going to go on. So is it fair to say this this 14-day number that's just kind of arbitrarily thrown out? I mean, is that just, was it just pulled out of the air? I mean, could this thing lay dormant in somebody for 60 days, say, and then they get sick or they continue to pass it on? No, t- 10 to 14 days is about the time it takes for your immune system to, to clear. Yeah, to clear it, okay. to come in contact 
to deal with it and then clear it. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So that's Man. the, that, I mean, it's just, yeah. I mean, it, it's not enough. It's not. Yeah. It, 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 you know, it's like, what is enough? And that's where I, you know, there's gotta be some time. Like, somebody needs to step up here. Well, and I mean, the, you, you know, put it, Steve, the other day, and it, it hit me. I don't remember what day we were talking about it, but it's like, and I never really thought about it. It's like, all right, so we put these numbers on things. For instance, here in, in, in Columbus, the courts have chosen, you know, specifically municipal court until April 20. So they're going to they're gonna have very limited access. People in jail, we're going to deal with you. We're going to let some folks out of jail that don't have, you know, violent history or charged with a violent crime. But on April 20th, people just seem to think, Oh, well, that's the day we're going to be up and running again. Well, what happens on April 20 when we're still in the midst of it? Do we push it another month, another two months? I mean, now we're having rumors that our kids are going to be out of school the rest of the year. It's like. I don't even think that's rumor at this point. That just is what it is. I haven't got the nod yet, but we're at home. Yeah, man, scary. Our our Governor DeWine, you know, this is the 20th of, uh, this is the 20th, yes, to March 20th today. So you're talking. He's coming out. I'm pretty sure they're going to close down daycares. Uh, and he said he's got a few more, so we don't yeah, know what else he'll just... do. Yeah, no, this is, uh, it, it's catastrophic. And, you know, the problem is it, nobody wants to be, there's just no popular way to look at this. I mean, if you're, no. po- if you're, if you're the guy in charge or the gal in charge or the, well, whoever's in charge of this, uh, either locally, uh, statewide or nationally or even globally, and you don't shut everything down and the virus it ha- takes its toll and, and it, it decimates people and kills lots of people, you're going to get blamed. If you do shut everything down and the virus does all those things, well, at least you did what you could. Um, if you shut everything down and then it's contained, then you get to take credit for it. Really, the only answer then is you have to shut everything down. I mean, if you follow that logic, it has to be that. So what's going on in Kentucky? What's open and closed? Uh They've closed the schools, uh, bars and restaurants. Um, and I think we're going to, I think we're moving towards only essential businesses being open. Yeah, that's what, what is essential business? I think that's what California did. Is a tire company essential business? They couldn't on NPR define it for California this morning. They're like, you know, we really don't, we would just be speculating as to what they're going to classify as an essential business. It would be, it would be utilities, uh, Food, shipping, uh, gas stations. Um, Lawyers, fingers crossed. <laughs> nope. Uh, nope. I didn't. I didn't see that. <laughs> <on the list. laughs> and uh, vape store owners. Vape stores. Yeah, <laughs> that's essential. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. No, this is. Uh, I think that's coming. I think we'll see that by the end of the weekend. I mean, I really, I, I don't think that that is. Uh, it's eight thirty in the morning. My brother just texted me. I guess it's about thirty-two minutes until opening. Thirty-six person in line. Advances at at the gun shop. Yes. Um, yeah. Did you see that gun sales have spiked? They're talking about uh, suspending uh, FFL sales just because they can't. They, you know, the system can't handle it. I mean. Yeah, and I know hasn't Walmart pulled ammunition off their shelves? Yeah, people are pulling. <laughs> really? they, can't, they just can't keep up with it all. And, you know, that lends to the more panic. That lends to the, the conspiracy theories. Well, see, i got to uh, ask why. So you pull it from your shelves because you're worried people have too much ammo, or you pull it from your shelves? I mean, you want at this point, you want the business. You would think sell it all, right? Sell as much as you yeah. can. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't know why. So that's, that's it. You start asking those questions. Maybe it's just like, too much volume it? for yeah. them to deal with the grocery side and the ammo side. Or, you know, it, look, if you're going to fight over something right now, it's like it's not like yeah. that if there's a shortage of that, and that might be the the, the big short. Like nobody's fighting over toilet paper yet. Yeah. <laughs> but bullets? No, they are fighting over are toilet they, paper. Are they fighting yeah, over toilet paper? Well, there's, that's what I said before. fights and punches that are yeah, going yeah. down. Yeah. Before he came yeah, on the air, on. you know, a g- great restaurant here pretty close to the studio is Lindy's. It's been around for in the German village area forever. And they're putting out saying, please order from us. If you order from us, we'll give you a free thing of toilet paper, and all our staff are going to write you a letter. I guess they all signed saying thanks for your business. I mean, that's how much they're hurting. And they're including a roll of toilet paper in the purchase of their fine dining food just because toilet paper is that sparse right now, I guess. Yep. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, who's, it's that, crazy. who's that top chef guy, Tom Caligula or something? Yeah. Caligula. Is he the ball guy? He, yeah. He he said that he thinks like seven, 75% of restaurants are probably going to go under. Yeah, I mean, oh yeah, I mean the rumor yeah. is that you know we were just talking. You tried to call um, one of the Cameron Mitchell restaurants. I saw they were. I saw they were closing at nine last night. They're still doing uh, takeout orders, and I just thought, you know, I'll throw do what I can. Yeah, throw them some throw them some love, and and they. I called. You could just hear in the voice of the guy who answered how painful it was, and he just said, "Man, we're just we just decided not to do that." And yeah, I was just like, brother, hang in there, man. Yeah, I, we're shorting cleans uh, the rusty bucket there in New Albany. They were doing carry out, and they closed down. They said no, they're done. They said they're on the list of one of the first buckets to open back up, but they said that some might not open back up at all. Yeah, man, it's just well, uh, you know, Chris, I I appreciate it. Uh, this has actually been very helpful. I mean, I started off sort of chipper, now I'm sort of down again. Yeah, no, no, I, 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 I've I've learned a lot from you, Chris. I appreciate you laying it out like that, uh, letting us know that uh, death is among us. That's that's yeah, great. It's great appreciate to know that. That, we're, that we're dealing with a viral ninja. The viral ninja, no well, human could have created. Yes. Yeah. It, yeah. You know, that's yeah. Uh, that'll that'll have its own conclusions. But uh, aren't ninjas more Japanese? Well, I just—I'm reading here. That, uh, yeah. I'm reading here that Japan's—they got—they think no. they have some vaccine. Nah, there are American Ninja Warriors. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah. There are. Yeah. There are. I wonder American if they're gonna still do Ninja that. Warriors. That's probably oh, I'm sure you, too. you can't. I mean, it's a group of people. You can't. Yeah. 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 Um, this will probably be banned soon enough. So you know, it's, what, so what do we got to do? We got to get the test and we got to shut it down. I think that's what you do. What you do is the the government goes to the big sellers, the Krogers, the Walmarts, and say, gives them seventy two hours before they tell the people. Then you tell people they got seventy two hours. And then we close it down for fourteen days, except for you come out and they administer tests. Yeah, that's yeah. And uh, also, I think um, you know you can. I mean, right now, University of Cincinnati Hospital has these like tents. I think you can make a more um, a stronger structure, you know, get to bring in the army corps of engineers who can have like these, you don't uh, have to do that. You just got to go to a hotel. There's nobody staying at the hotels they've already got rooms. They've got electric, everything's set up in there. You bring, you, you bring it in, you staff out hotels. There's, there's structures actually, right now that I don't think you need to build new buildings. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that's a great idea. I think you have COVID-19 dedicated centers. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, because that's what China did too. You know, they were building up these medical facilities like in a matter of days. And, and you and, know, I, I just had this I, when when all this started to happen. I was like, you know, all this money that they're going to spend to 
to give to people who, oh who need it. I was like, well, what if we took that, like immediately take that money and do what we're talking about here? Yes. You know, prepare for the flood. And, and, you know, it's like, I, not that I couldn't use it, right? My business is shut down. Right. I, I am, I owe, and I am not getting anything yeah. in. And what's that line from the movie? When did Noah build the ark? Before the flood. Before the flood, right? Yeah. So it's like, uh, so giving me, giving me a rowboat for the, tidal wave is hardly going to do anything other than make me feel good for about 10 minutes. No, that's what I'm saying. If, and if you lock everybody down, because what do we need? Needs and wants are different. I need we, need, we need water. We need food. Pistol we age. need shelter. We need clothing. That's what those are needs. Okay. And if everybody shut down, didn't go out, not expend anything, you close it down, everything down at least 14 days. If they get that $1,500, they only need food, water, clothing, shelter. You think we're going to be able to keep the Johns down hooligans in, indoors for that long? Yeah, because we're American patriots, brother, and we would do this for the cause. <laughs> um, I don't know how you guys are over there and wherever you're at, the Hilliard area. Yeah. yeah. You guys are all a little shady over there. <laughs> <laughs> Your well, neighborhood block parties. Probably still throwing those, getting together. Yeah, yeah, shaking but, hands. It's like yeah, trading, the, cheers and glasses. The the home bars are all open and celebrating together. Yeah, they say if you use one of those margarita salt things on the rim, it sanitizes. It's just it, yeah. it's just you can just mix it all. It's all just, I saw an article where cocaine gets rid of it. Is I've that been, true? I just been cocaine's drinking, the vaccine. Cocaine's that. the vaccine. That's I saw this article. I just been drinking bleach. I'm, not, so I'm not sure if it's a true article or not. It could have been a Russian troll. All Probably right. a Colombian troll. You, I just touched my face. Alex I'm freaking Jones out. Toothpaste. What's that? What's that? So just use Alex Jones's toothpaste. Yeah. All right. <laughs> right. Uh, there you go. There you go. Well, look, man, uh, we're going to be coming on even during times of crisis. Uh, our fireside lawyer talk 511 show must go on. Um, and we may hit you up again here in the coming days or weeks if that's all right. All right. That's why he's got that big lawyer talk salary. He's our resident doctor. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, we're, I'm, I, is, is this the time to ask for Patreon support? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're doing it anyway. That's just how it's going to be. But, uh, well, look, Chris, I really appreciate it. Uh, this has been a very informative, uh, maybe if not uh, downer episode of Lawyer Talk off the record. We got to the have air. the reality. We got to have the truth. Reality check it's on not the all air. Ice cream know. and rainbows. With the doc, at least until now. Good luck, folks.